0: Well, great to see everybody. I'm really, really excited about the message that I'm going to be sharing with you today. And I've simply entitled it, When God Goes to War. You know, in surveys that have been done, regardless of the age of the people, but especially as we we talk to younger people, the thing that people want in life is they want to be happy. They want to enjoy their life. But the happiest people on earth, are not the richest people. They're not the prettiest people. They're not the people who get everything that they want. But the happiest people on earth are people with a purpose that dedicate themselves to that purpose. Those are the happiest people on earth. I think that's why Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God. And all the things that you're looking for, He they said they'll be added to you. I have a friend, pastor friend, who talks about his church sent him to South America, to Colombia, to a church that was running several hundred thousand people. And then they sent him down, kind of like, look what they're doing, how they're doing everything. And uh, he said it was re- really a, a good time that he had there. He said, but this is what stuck out to him. Much like we do, they have an altar call where they invite people to receive the Lord and then afterwards, kind of like what we do, they, they took them out to a room on the side. That's how we typically do things. And they would, they would talk to him. But he said, this is what he found interesting. He said they would take a photograph of them. And then they would impose that. We would call it, like I said Photoshop it. And put it where they were in front of 100,000 people speaking. And they would give them that as they left. And he said what they were trying to do, and he said it was very effective, was let them know that because you're a Christian, there is a purpose for your life, and your purpose is to touch other people's lives. I thought that was, that was really, really good. All right. So in, in the book of Judges, chapter 4, we find ourselves at about 1,250 B.C. And the children of Israel had really that they, that you, you can't say that they, they, they turned their back on God, but they had just kind of drifted away from God. And as this happened, they began to be oppressed by the enemy, by, by a king by the name of, of Javan. And this guy has 900 chariots of iron. First time irons mentioned in the Bible, it's, it's literally, it's the beginning of the Iron Age. And it says, the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. For Jabin had 900 chariots of iron. And for 20 years, he harshly oppressed the children of Israel. And God listens to their cry. And and God decides, look, I'm going to take care of this. Now, I I want you to look carefully at what what he does. And and the battle takes place. By the way, uh, what happens is God speaks to the judge of Israel at the time, a woman by the name of Deborah. And and God says to her, go to to Barak and and say to him, take 10,000 men with you and go and fight against this king with 900 chariots of fire. And he does. And by the way, it is a total rout. I mean, the enemy is is like taken out almost to the last man. And then uh, afterwards, the judge of Israel, Deborah, She kind of puts together this song and I I want to just kind of unpack a little bit of it for you. In verse two, she says, when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. So, So notice what she's saying. She's saying the people willingly got involved. Nobody was begging them. Nobody was pleading, but they had a heart for the kingdom. They had a heart to do what needed to be done. And without that heart to do what needed to be done, what needed to be done would not have got done. And she's saying it was just a great time because people got involved. Verse 4. When you went out from Seir, when you marched from the fields of Edom, the earth trembled, the heavens poured, the clouds also poured water. Lord, when you went out now, it's interesting. God is fighting this battle, but it's not God alone. God's got 10,000 people who begin the battle and even more come in as the battle is being engaged. So, so really God's involved. But how many of you realize that God uses people that literally we're supposed to be his hands. We're supposed to be his feet. But the Bible mentions that the earth shook. Literally, God sent an earthquake. And not only that, it says that, that uh, the waters, they, they poured out of the heavens. If you were to go where this battle is taking place, in fact, we've got a shot. I'm going to kind of show you what, what, what happened here. This shot is from Mount Carmel. Now, those of you who, who've read your, your, your Bible, you know, Mount Carmel is where Elijah called down fire from heaven. And then the Bible says that he went to the brook or the river Kishron, and he killed the prophets of Baal. Uh, you can see that, that little river Kishron down there. Can you kind of see that? You see the road over on the side real big, and then there's that, the, the river Kishron. The, that river is about the size of the drainage ditch behind my house. I mean, like, you could long jump across. But when, when, when the battle is taking place down here, and this is the, the plain of Megiddo, this is where Armageddon is going to take place. And the battle is taking place right down there, and God begins to pour down this rain. And the chariots all get stuck. The, 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 the tactical advantage that the enemy had actually became a disadvantage. And the Bible actually tells us that what happens is they get their chariots get stuck. In fact, the commander of the enemy army, the Bible says, he leaves his chariot and he flees on foot. Because his chariot gets caught. And now that, that, little, that little river there, that little river Kishron that's the size of a drainage ditch, it's pouring, and there are times when it floods over and it floods for a half a mile. Well, they've got their chariots down there, and they're doing this battle. God pours down water. The river, it literally becomes a river, and the Bible says the enemy are literally carried away in the river. So there's an earthquake God's pouring down water from heaven. He got the river expanding in order to help them. The chariots all get stuck. He said, then in verse nine, it says, My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people, bless the Lord. So she's saying everybody's involved rich, poor, leaders, followers, everybody gets involved. I love what it says over in Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, is rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. They've been down for decades. And it's so interesting, when you read it, it it can seem kind of boring because it will mention a person and it says, and this is what they did. Then it mentions somebody else, and it says, and they rebuilt the wall next to the lion's gate. And then this guy rebuilt the wall over here. And somebody else who was a goldsmith, he rebuilt the wall in front of his house. And then the priest rebuilt the wall between this corner and that corner. And it mentions everybody's name 2,600 years ago. They were doing it, and we're still reading it about it today. And you say, why? Because what everybody does is important to God. We're reading what they did 2,600 years ago because it was important to God what they did. Now listen, and next to them, the Ketoites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulder to the work of the Lord. It talks about what everybody did, but then it talks about a few people that did not get involved. What you and I do, God notices what we do. And I think it's interesting that Jesus said that he who labors receives wages. He's saying some, I, I am going to take care of you when you get involved. Then Deborah says, awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, sing a song, arise, Barak, and lead your captains away. And literally it's like Deborah, she gets out the pom-poms. And she likes, she like come on boys come on go get them go get them go get them. Yeah, she wasn't going to fight, but she did everything that she could. She could. She got involved like like the Marines when they're marching along and they're they're singing their song. She's helping to motivate. But you know what has happened is this literally heaven declared war. But I believe that heaven has declared war today against sin and sorrow and guilt and addiction, and bondage, and depression, and ungodliness, and abortion, and shame against lukewarmness, backsliding. Heaven has declared war. And it's, in the kingdom, it's like all hands on deck. Church is a participatory sport. In other words, you are not allowed to just sit on the sidelines. In Ecclesiastes, it says this. It says, there is no release from that war. You say, yeah, but I'm old. Tough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but I'm the wrong gender. There is no such thing. Yeah, but I'm not gifted. That's all right. Come on. Nobody, nobody gets to stand by idly. And it's interesting, the angel of the Lord notices that there is one group of people that did not get involved in helping Deborah and Barak against the enemy. And this is what the angel of the Lord said, curse Mezro, said the angel of the Lord, curse its inhabitants bitterly because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. So, so, so God shook the earth God reigned and stopped the chariots. He had the river Kishron carry the enemy away, but God still used people. God still used people. And and God really was not happy that some just sat on the sidelines and said, well, let's let's just do nothing. Let's just see how this all turns out. They didn't come to the help of the Lord. It's all in, all are needed, all are called. Jesus said from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. No bamsy pamsy Christianity. It's time for the kingdom of God as people to rise up. Nobody standing by, uninvolved, idle. You know, Jesus tells this story about a, a ruler who invited certain people. And it's, it's, it's talking about the kingdom of God. They were invited. And when it was time to come, some said, hey, I, I really can't come right now because uh, I just bought a field. Somebody else says, hey, I can't come because I just got a, a new car. I mean, uh, some oxen. And somebody else says, hey, I can't come because, because I, I just got married and I, I just got other priorities. God was not, did, did not accept any of their excuses. They say, it's time to rise up and there's no middle ground. Literally, people are part of the problem, or you're part of the solution. It's get in or get out. How many know there's no blessings on the sidelines? There's no blessing. I believe the biggest battle that the, that the kingdom of God is facing today is not against sin and the devil or a humanistic society. The biggest battle that's being fought is against lukewarm consumer Christianity just sit on the sideline. Hey, what, what do you got from, I, I just come to get, I'm just here to receive. I'm just here to receive. I, you better do something that I like today because I'm here to get something. But you know what? That is totally the wrong mentality. Well, it just shows our selfishness. It's our will, not his will. Jesus talked about it and said, the love of many will grow cold. All they want to do is just about them. But in Romans 12, verse 11, it says this. Listen, don't let your enthusiasm wane. Be spiritually alive, binding yourself to the Lord in service. If you miss everything else, listen, real careful. It is impossible, impossible for you to be red hot for God and not get involved in the kingdom of God. It's impossible to just come and sit in a pew or it's impossible to just sit at home and watch a live stream and be as alive spiritually as you need to be alive. you got to bind yourself to the Lord. you got to get involved. (laughs) You know, there's a poster that we used to see, you know, Uncle Sam wants you. I'm telling you, Jesus wants you. He's after you. He's after you. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter two, that God has prepared good works for you to do that. He has prepared paths ahead of time for you to take. And when you do, here's what Listen, listen, you're not going to live the bad life. It literally says live in the good life. That is the good life. Jesus tells another story about a man, a rich man who leaves his servants. The Bible mentions talents. It's actually a quantity of money. And when he comes back, one of the servants had done nothing with what God had given him. And the Bible refers to him as the lazy, unprofitable servant. One translation says wicked, slothful servant. Listen, in the United States today, they tell us that we have got the lowest unemployment in 50 or 60 years. I think that's good the lowest unemployment. But I think in the kingdom of God, we've got the highest unemployment. I think we have more people that have a consumer Christianity mindset and just want to receive and don't want to be involved, don't want to do, don't want to serve, don't want to sacrifice. It's the wrong, wrong, wrong attitude. Jesus said the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Those that get involved, And listen, I'm going to say something right now. Right now, we need musicians, we need singers, we need ushers, we need greeters, we need people to work with the youth, with singles, with children, with married people. We need people in outreach, in prisons, in missions, in TV, in sound, prayer partners, answering TV, driving golf carts. We need people everywhere, everywhere. All right. Though you can sit on the sidelines, or you can get it. You can get involved. Somebody said, "Well, I'm retired." not anymore. <laughs> right now we hire you you are you are involved right now. We'll get you, you we'll, we'll get you working. You know, we'll get you visiting hospitals and shut-ins and answering phones in the TV bank. Uh, you said well, yeah, but I don't have a job. We'll start praying 4 hours a day and the rest of the time come down. We'll find something for you to do. We will put you to work in the kingdom of God. <laughs> uh, and usually, where you start isn't even where you end up in the kingdom. Need some, pe- and by the way, we need some people to go to work, get rich, and bless the church. In fact, in fact, I would like you right now find somebody, find somebody, and tell them go to work, get rich, bless the church. No, I, come on, I'm serious. Tell them right now. Find somebody. Go to work, get rich, bless the church. We're blessed to be a blessing. (laughs) I, I really believe this. I believe the number one reason that most people that don't give, don't give, or don't give at the level that they should, is fear. You know, when Elijah went to a widow in Seraphath, And there was a famine. And she was down to her last handful of flour and just a little bit of oil in the bottom of a vessel is what he said. He said, fear not. Fear not. And, And I believe it's fear. It's fear. Now in Acts 10, verse 38, it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, when it says doing good and healing, I always thought the good was healing. But uh, after reading a Greek scholar, I found out that that was not the truth. The, the word there, good, talks about philanthropy. It talks about helping people that are in need. It talks about sowing into the kingdom of God. That's the type of good that it's talking about. Jeannie and I graduated from Bible college In the mid 70s and immediately went to Mexico. We were there for seven years. And as the time for us to leave kind of got about three, four months away, the Lord had spoken to me about coming back to Grand Rapids. And we didn't know what was going to happen, but we knew we were going to end up pastoring a church here. And so we had purchased a piece of property the year before in between Hudsonville and Ellendale and had actually got a hold of a builder and had signed a contract to have him build us this little thousand foot starter house. And uh, we were going to make a payment to him when we got back from Mexico. I would be gone typically two or three days every week up in the mountains preaching. And I was driving an old van with like 180,000 miles on it. But because I was gone so much, we had a car for Jeannie. And this is 1983-ish in Mexico, and and at that time there was just a tremendous tax on vehicles in Mexico. Uh, A Ford LTD, a new Ford LTD, was $50,000 American. Just give you kind of an idea. So we had bought her a nice car, so when I was gone, and, and a large part of our net worth was that car. And our plan was we were going to sell that car and we were going to pay our down payment to the builder to get this house going. So we've got, I, I don't know yet, maybe, maybe three months before we're going to leave. And I'm, I'm just praying about, you know, the future, uh, what we're going to do. And, 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 and I just have this thought and we were helping a couple, Vicki and Chewy, start a church. We'd kind of, won, we'd won their family to the Lord. He had gone to Bible college and we were helping him start a church. And at that time, the church was probably about 400 people. And they did not have a car. So they took a bus every place that they went. And as I'm praying, I just have this thought, give Jeannie's car to Chewy and Vicki. And I literally, this is not a joke, I was like, I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> Now, be, be, because, listen, listen, how many of you know there's, there's sometimes there, there, there's, there's discretionary money and then there's money that you have to have. This was not discretionary. This was the money we were giving the builder. This was it. So this was not discretionary money. This was have to have money. But as the couple of weeks went by, it seemed like every time I'd pray, I'd just get that same thought. And I realized, this is not the devil. So I very carefully explained to the Lord (laughs) that this would not work. And his Bible said to be a person of your word. And if I was going to be a person of my word, I had to sell the car and take the money and give the man the money because I told him I was going to give the money and I'd already signed on the dotted line. And so I explained that he did not care. He didn't. And I, and I remember this is clear. It's about, it's a Thursday night and I am preaching for Chewy at his church. And I got to church early. I, I was walking back and forth in front of the platform and I was praying about the church service. And as I was praying and I said, Lord, you know, tonight we're going to be sharing the word. And God, I pray that you'll confirm your word with signs following. And I pray, Father, that you open every heart to receive the word of God. And Lord, I, and I'm praying about the service. And then I stop, you know, because when you pray, you talk and then you listen. And, and like as clear as a bell, these thought, words came in my head. And the car. <laughs> so I said to the Lord, Lord, we're going to pray for the sick at the close of this service. And you said you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You said that you'll, you'll, you'll accompany the word with signs following. And I pray, Lord, you know, as we lay hands on the sick night, the power of God comes in this place. Jesus be lifted up. Jesus be glorified. I pray your healing power touch every life. And, and I'm quiet. And I hear this, the car, the car. And I remember, I felt, I said this to God. I said, God, you have me cornered. Either I keep the car and I have the worst service I've ever had, or I give the car. And so I said, okay, I surrender. And I said, I said, at the close of the service, you know, Chewy and I, Chewy will take me out to eat. Now, you may not know this, but whether it's India, Africa, Europe, America, you preach and then you go eat. So I knew that's what's going to happen. All right. You're going to take me out to eat. All right. So I said, when, after service, when we go out to eat, I'll tell Chewie. we're leaving four or six weeks, whatever it was going to be, and we'll give him that car, him and Vicky the car. So we have a great service, and we're walking out to his car. We're on the sidewalk, and, and I said to him, I said, uh, you, you, know the, you know Jeannie's car? And he says, uh, you mean that blue one with the shiny wheels? And I says, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. I said, uh, we're going to be leaving here in about, a, in about a month, and when we leave, we're going to give you and Vicki that car. This is what he did. He was my witness. He stomps, stops, stops. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! This is in Spanish. And he turns to me, and he said, I've known that for about six weeks. And Jeannie can testify to this. I tried to sell that thing again and again. I couldn't get anybody to even look at it. It was like, you know where it says in, in Acts, I think it's 16, it says where the Holy Spirit hindered them and forbade them. I mean, like he would, you thought my car had AIDS. You know, we just could not get rid of it. Now, now, now here's, the fun, here's, here's what's funny. I cannot tell you how it happened. But somehow we had what we need. It it wouldn't work on paper, but we had what we needed. And a little over three years later, the house was paid for. Do 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 you know it didn't work on paper? It did not. But this is what the Bible says. It says, God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything that you need and more besides. So you will not only have plenty for your own needs, but you'll have plenty left over to joyfully give to others. When we, when we first went to Mexico, uh, I, I'm not recommending any, what we did, I'm just telling you what we did. Uh, we graduated from Bible college. We came, saw my parents here in, in uh, Grand Rapids, my mother and sisters, and went and saw Jeannie's family in the state of Washington, and we drove to Mexico. Now, we had no support. You say, what church was helping you? None. What mission organization? None. We just went and we, we were, we, we just figured, well, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. We'll just let God take care of it. So we went. And for three and a half years, we did not even have one church that supported us. After three and a half years, one church started. So we get there and we've got a little money and I think it lasted about two and a half months. And at the end of two and a half months, we were in charge of a little church and uh, I remember the Thursday again. It was Thursday? Was it Tuesday? Whichever day it was. It wasn't the weekend service. It was the midweek service. And uh, Jeannie fixed me dinner, and we had pancakes. But they didn't have all the ingredients. And there was no syrup. We had no butter, no milk, no flour, no sugar, nothing. And I was supposed to go preach. The car, sitting in the carport, and there's not enough gas to get to church. We do not have eight cents. One peso was eight cents. It costs eight cents to take a bus. We did not have eight cents. I'm supposed to preach, and I can't get to church. I've been doing this for 43 years, and this is the only time it ever happened. I'm sitting in the house, and, and literally I was walking in, in uh, the hallway, and I said, God, in Bible school they told us, when things get really bad, that's when God moves. I said, God, that is now. <laughs> so, I, I'm, I'm, I can't get to church. And again, the only time in 43 years this ever happened, a car comes up in front of the house, and one of the guys from church comes to the door and says, do you need a ride to church? And I said, yeah, I think I'd like one. (laughs) Hopped in, got to church. Walked in the building, and there's a guy standing over to my left that I think I'd seen one time before and never saw him again in my life. I barely walk in, and he walks up to me, and he said, I feel impressed to give you $20. I said, well, I feel impressed to receive (laughs) them." Took that home. After the service, divided that up. Jeannie got 10. I got 10. Now, remember, this is, this is the mid-70s. So that, that, that 20 bucks is probably like 60 bucks. So I put gas in the, in the car because I'm supposed to go and pick up a couple of pastors from California that are going to stay at our house the next day. And Jeannie goes to the vegetable market. And she gets as many much fruit and vegetables as she can. And she's putting stuff away, planning her meals. That's she told me. She said, you know, I'm planning, okay, we'll have fruit salad for breakfast. And we just bought fruit and vegetables because that was the cheapest thing to buy. And she says, and we'll have vegetable salad for lunch. And we'll have fruit and vegetable salad for dinner. <laughs> you know? And this is, this is her testimony. She can, t- she can testify to this. She says, I was just starting to cry, and I was putting that stuff away. She says, I was just trying so hard to have faith. She said, when a, a little car with squeaky brakes, stopped right in front of the house. And the lady jumped out and kind of bounced up to the front door. And so Janie says, you know, she cleans up her face a little bit and goes and answers the door. And it's a, a, a lady that's in the same language school. And, and she says, uh, well, oh, was so good to see you. And the Lord's so good. And I don't know why, but my husband and I just felt impressed that you should have some groceries. And so here's six bags full of meat and child flour and sugar and everything. And she just kind of, Jeannie kind of went out to the car with her, you know, got everything. Listen, I could tell you story after story, after story, after story for hours. But here's what it says. God is able to make it up to you. He knows where you are. By giving you everything that you need and more besides. I remember the first first time that that, uh, we we felt God challenge us to give $30,000. It seemed seemed like like $10 million. But you know what? God's able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more besides. This is what it says. It says God gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. And I remember that $30,000 was huge, huge, huge. And then I remember when God challenged us the first time to give $100,000. And it seemed to me like it's impossible. It's impossible. But let me just tell you what he does. He gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. And here's the great thing. When When you listen to God, your faith takes a jump. It's, I don't know how to explain it, but your faith just takes a jump and you don't go back where you were before. You don't go back. He gives seed to the sower. And let me just close with the end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22. Last chapter in the Bible. In fact, it's some of the very last verses. And this is what, Jesus said this. He said, behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his works. How I many of you know you're not saved by works? But you will be rewarded for your works. I think it's the message Bible that says it this way Behold, I come quickly, and my paycheck is in my hand to give to everyone according to his works. I I do not want you to get to heaven by the skin of your teeth. When you get there, I want you to receive a full reward. A full reward. You say, what does that mean? That means get involved in the kingdom of God. Get involved. Get involved serving. Get involved sowing. And be a participant. Don't be a consumer. Well, right now, we're going to receive that, that Heart for the House, Heart for the Kingdom offering. Now, many of you are ready. Some of you are not ready. You can give to this offering anytime during the month of December, and just write on your envelope, Heart for the Kingdom. Heart for the Kingdom, and, and you can also do that online with Heart for the Kingdom. But we want every single person to participate. Everybody. For some people... Hundred dollars is going to be huge. For others, a thousand, ten, fifty, a hundred, and maybe there's somebody here who can do a million dollars. It would be awesome. Now we're going to use that money for new initiatives that we need to do here at church. Of course, part of our building is 25 years old. The newest part is 12 years old. There's stuff that wears out that needs to be replaced, and we owe 9.7 million dollars on this building, and. Uh, we are believing, God, that we are not going to have to wait seven years to pay this building off. And I want everybody, please, believe with believe with us. We're going to get this, that taken out of the way. We just call this building paid for in Jesus' name. Well, Father, we come right now and we sow into the kingdom. We sow because we love you. And we love your kingdom. We want to have a part in touching lives here and around the world. Lord, and we thank you that as we sow, that you're able to make it up to us. Lord, by giving us everything that we need and more. And we thank you, Father, that you give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And that, Father, as we sow, your word tells us that our righteousness, it endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen.